is the house call what's up everybody welcome into the brick house segment here at house call sports i'm here with nick my name is matt and today we're talking about all things nba playoffs we're gonna dive deep into the second round series as well as giving some of a few of our first round series that we haven't about to we haven't gotten to talk to yet but first I want to shout out one of our sponsors, and that is StubHub. No matter the event, StubHub has the tickets for you. StubHub sports, concert, and theater tickets as low as $6. If you weren't just paying attention, the NBA playoffs have been incredible. If you want to go get some tickets to watch some of this amazing basketball, hit the link in the description to get your tickets at StubHub. But first, with this NBA stuff, with this Brick House segment, we got to start with something we haven't talked about yet, and it's been a, it's been a minute since this finished, but we got to start with the Miami Heat upsetting the Milwaukee Bucks. Last time we talked about it, the series was 1-1, and Giannis was looking to come back in game three or four, and we still all had the Bucks winning. We didn't think Miami was going to have enough offense. Well, Giannis came back, and they were down 2-1, and Miami had plenty of offense because playoff Jimmy Butler showed up and dropped 56 points in game four and 42 points in game five with multiple clutch shots down the stretch of game four to get them the win, and then the tip-in at, the the, the tip at the end of game five to get them the win, and the Heat pulled off a shocking upset of the best team in basketball all year in five games. And my final pick, my finals winner is out in round one. So I got to rethink my entire life because goddamn Milwaukee, you couldn't, you couldn't get through one series, man. It's frustrating, man. So Nick, I'm going to go to you. First of all, how shocking your, your takeaways from this series? How shocking was this upset? I mean, I had the Bucks going to the Eastern Conference Finals and being, you know, one of the top contenders in this the whole NBA playoffs. So I, it was completely shocking, and if you told me before the series, you know, Tyler Hero goes down with with the with what the broken wrist, and yep. uh, they don't have him, and Bam doesn't play that well throughout throughout the series, I'd say, yeah, there's no there's no way he have a chance, and somehow they 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 came out in five, and uh, yeah, Giannis missed what two and a half, two and three fourths of a game, but I still thought that that Bucks team had the depth. And uh, and and potentially the coaching to uh, get past the Heat, and that uh, that was not the case. I mean, the coaching was terrible. I mean, obviously, uh, Budenholzer got fired, and uh, even though he's won seventy percent of his games as a Bucks head coach, he he still deserved to get fired because of the way he was he was playing and coaching the the lineup the lineups rotations and just everything was off seeing. They weren't using, I don't think they were using Giannis to his full capabilities. Um, it's it's sad because you don't want to see, you, you want to see Giannis d deeper, but I mean, Jimmy went God mode. So it's uh, it was pretty incredible to watch. And anytime you see uh, a player like that, just have the underdog uh, story. It's, it's, it's fun to keep watching. Man, uh, I don't I don't know about you know the rest of you you Nick or the rest of the people watching, but Jimmy Butler is one of my favorite players. He's been, he's probably been my favorite non Spurs player in the NBA for a long time, just because he's he's got that it factor about him. And when it comes to playoff time, he always shows up. And and like you said, it's fun to watch just a, a great player be great. We'll talk about it a little bit later. Obviously, I was going for the Kings and the Kings Warriors series, but watching Steph Curry drop 50 in a game seven, like that's pretty cool to watch, you know, regardless of who you're rooting for. So same thing with Jimmy Butler, man. Watching him do his thing in games four and five was incredible. But as I told you all before the before this series started, this series was going five. I told you the series was going five. I just predicted the, the, the team slightly wrong. I picked the wrong team, and it just so happened to be the Miami Heat. But seriously, obviously, you know, 
Giannis getting hurt in game one was big, but I think, you know, I, I think he could have played in games two and three, but the I think the Bucks thought that they could rest Giannis in games two and three versus the Heat and still win the series, and they were sadly mistaken. The only game the Bucks won was the game that Giannis didn't play. Every t- the, the entire time that Giannis was playing in this series, the Miami Heat outplayed them. So I'm not going to use that as an excuse for, 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 the, for the Milwaukee Bucks losing this series because they were outplayed the entire time that Giannis was in there. And listen, the Bucs played like they literally have never been to the playoffs before. Like they look shook in the fourth quarter of the last two games. They were up by 10 in the fourth quarter of game four, up by 16 in the fourth quarter of game five. They thought they had the games wrapped up and they couldn't close. Giannis missed 13 free throws in game five. It was terrible for Milwaukee. Obviously, Coach Bud got fired. And from a basketball perspective, I get it. Some of his decision-making and rotations were very questionable from a human perspective. Him, obviously, you know, losing his brother in the playoffs and then getting let go is tough to see. Hate to see something like that. You know, thoughts and prayers obviously go out to him and his family. But as far as basketball-wise, you know, there's a lot of layers to this. I mean, the two that I want to talk about are the star players from each team. I've been big on Giannis as the best player in basketball. I don't think you can say that anymore. I don't think you can get gentlemen swept as the one seed in the first round and make that claim. Maybe he comes back next year and proves that he is again. And I certainly I certainly wouldn't be surprised if he did. But right now, that crown is up for grabs. He doesn't own it right now. Someone else is going to take it throughout this postseason. And also, Jimmy Butler's a top 10 player in the NBA. I said it. I did a short on it. He's a top 10 player in the NBA. And I said it, mentioned it a little bit earlier. He's my favorite player in the NBA. And I myself didn't put him on my own personal top 10 list because I forgot that he doesn't show up for the regular season. So you forget about him a little bit. But as soon as he comes playoff time, he's at least a top five player in the league. And you can make a legit argument as he might be the best player in the playoffs pretty often. You know, the 56 performance he had in game four is one of the best I've ever seen. He follows it up with 42 in the game five, clincher to all the clutch shots in both games. This dude is undisputed top 10, and I will not leave him off any more lists anymore. I'm sorry, Jimmy Butler. I didn't mean to do it. You're a freaking amazing basketball player, dude. And, you know, without, you know, Tyler Hero, like like Nick was mentioning, he was their only legitimate offensive threat, and he takes down the Milwaukee Bucks almost single-handedly in five games. Also, uh, you know, also as an aside, like I said, the, the Bucks were my championship pick. I know. I think you guys are you. Uh, you think I'm gonna feel bad about it, but I'm not. It was actually genius. Now I get to redo my championship pick, so I get two championship picks, baby. You guys only get one. That's how our smart guys really do it. We pick a team that's gonna get knocked out in the first round, so we get a second championship pick. That's what I'm talking about, baby. I'll leave it up for the rest of you guys to decide who that's gonna be. But I'll tell you guys who it's gonna be a little bit later. But we're gonna transition. We're gonna talk about another first round series that was really really entertaining. The Lakers and the Memphis Grizzlies, the Lakers absolutely destroyed Memphis in game six to move on to the Mem- to the West semis. You'd think it would be more of an upset considering it was a two seed versus seven seed. This was not your typical seven seed. Your typical seven seed does not have LeBron James and Anthony Davis on it. The Lakers move on to play Golden State while Ja Morant and Dylan Brooks go home in the, after a chaotic season in the first round. And apparently, Ja, you are not fine out West. And y'all are going to be just fine in Cancun. And you were there before May even started. So, Nick... What were your takeaways from this Memphis and Lakers series? I mean, I had I had I was one of the few guys who had the Grizzlies winning. And uh, if you told me literally after game one that one of the worst players on the Grizzlies, you know, and he's not going to be on the Grizzlies anymore, uh, Dylan Brooks was talking shit to the best player arguably ever to play the game, LeBron James. I would be I probably would have changed my pick. Um, but yeah, no, I mean the. Dylan Brooks single-handedly woke up the Lakers. They they weren't playing consistent, complete consistent basketball, and uh, they turned it up on 
turned it up a notch on the on the Grizzlies and Anthony Davis uh, came up clutch. LeBron LeBron did his thing and now it's I just don't see the uh, the Grizzlies. I mean they they need to uh, they still have some great young pieces, but they they need to readapt what they're doing because they can't be the uh, the bad the bad boys of the NBA, the Detroit Pistons. I mean they got to go for a whole new look and. Jaw and Desmond and their it's their whole the whole organization needs to to be a part of it because what they did this year um, was just a, a complete 180 of what what they were from last year. Yeah, it's it, you know you have to be tough to pretend like you're the bad boy Pistons, you know. And these guys, none of the, they don't have any. The, the toughest guy on their team is probably Stephen Adams, and he didn't even play this series, you know. So it's like the the it you can't act tough. And then, you know, when you get on the court, you're not tough. And that's exactly what the Memphis Grizzlies are. But I want to talk about the Lakers a little bit because this was, you know, an impressive, impressive series from the Lakers. I mean, whatever you want to say about Anthony Davis, and I know he can be disengaged and he has some terrible games offensively in this, you know, in that series. But this dude can absolutely control a basketball game on the defensive end. We saw it in the first half of game six. The dude was everywhere. He had 11 points in the first half of game six against Memphis, but was easily the best player on the floor. He can be as dominant as anyone in the NBA. And I like, I kind of like how the Lakers have like a rotating third guy as far as, you know, who their, who their third best player is or who their third scorer is. Sometimes it's D'Angelo Russell. Sometimes it's Austin Reeves. Sometimes it's Hachimura. Sometimes it's Schroeder. And they do a great job of riding the hot hand. I also want to give a shout out to D'Angelo Russell. We were saying he had to step up. You know, and then in game six, he hit or game four, excuse me, he hit those three straight threes to take him from down seven to up two. And then he was tremendous in game six, 12 of 17, 31 points, five threes, his passing, his shot making, his playmaking, spot up three point shooting. When he's playing with confidence, he's a legit all star caliber player. D'Angelo Russell is really, really good when he's playing with confidence. So this Lakers team is deep, tough, tons of playmakers and obviously a couple uh, and a couple stars and I said all that and I didn't even mention LeBron so I really like this Lakers team you also got to sh- give a shout out to Rob Palenka because he built a trash ass team that I don't think would even make the play in if he would have kept it and then he turned it into a, a legit NBA finals contender that has a great shot at making the Western Conference finals and listen the only thing I haven't liked about the Lakers is sometimes they play with their food they get a big lead and then they let off the gas a little bit but game six against Memphis they kind of sh- they showed a little bit different absolutely demolished Memphis shout out to Darvin Ham as well rookie head coach instilling defense in this team they seem to get better by the minute and then for Memphis I mean have fun in Cancun I mean Dylan Brooks they don't even want him back he's going to be on the Guangdong Tigers and I think you know that alone will make Memphis better next year but they like like you know like Nick was saying they got to grow up obviously John Brooks showed their immaturity but you listen to Desmond Bain with some of his post-game comments and then Jaron Jackson you know with some of his just foul problems and and, and stuff like that coming in you know come in the games and stuff like that, like you could, you could just tell this was an immature team. So uh, Memphis, you guys got to pick it up and you know, it's a, uh, it's, it's, it's going to be interesting to see what you guys do over the off season to kind of see, you know, see where you guys end up in the 2023, 2024 season. But uh, we're going to transition. Another thing we got to talk about, and you know, we got to talk about this one because it was the best first round series that we had. And that's the Kings versus the Warriors. We talked about this one a lot. They went back and forth. Kings started up 2-0. They won both at home. The Warriors won the next two at home. And then the Warriors went in to light the beam itself and won game five. And then the Kings responded and won game six in Golden State. And then Steph Curry happened in game seven. The greatest game seven scoring performance in NBA history. 50 points in game seven. And that leads me to my question for you, Nick. Obviously, give me some of your takeaways from this series. But I also want to know, this has been a hotly debated topic. 
of late because we've seen how great Steph Curry can be and we've seen Steph Curry's greatness on display, especially in that game seven. What do you think, man? Is Steph Curry the greatest point guard of all time? Absolutely. So the the way that Steph Curry orchestrates an offense is like no other. Every Everybody, all eyes gravitate towards him. So he, if he's off ball, on ball, the the offense is just it's it's unstoppable with when Steph Steph Curry's on there and you, and you can look at the uh, the plus minus to see that so I mean the fact that he 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 has the championships he has the the MVP the the, the unanimous MVP the Finals MVP he keeps setting records just smashing records for these three point seasons I mean 300, 400 in the season he's just it's just he, he keeps getting better and better and age 35 36 now and now he's the first person ever to drop 50 points in a game seven on the road when they were the, one of the worst road teams in in the regular season it's it's hard to say that there is another uh point guard out there that i would take over him i mean magic johnson is is uh is definitely the one that you would say is is the, is the second and um i just don't see the scoring ability that would match up with steph yeah he could be a playmaker but Steph's just as good as as a playmaker, uh, and I, I think that uh, it the the scoring just trumps it for me. Yeah, I don't know if Steph. I mean, Steph's a Steph's a, a, a an amazing playmaker, but Magic was like I think Magic was as a playmaker one of the greatest playmaker, maybe the greatest playmaker in the in the history of basketball. But like you said, the the score I think the scoring for Steph is just so much greater that. It makes it a tough discussion. I'll get to that a little bit later, but I want to talk about this actual series for for the for the for the most part, uh, and, and then I'll get to Steph at the end. But you know, the NBA is about stars. It, it was Steph and Clay for the Warriors, and it was Fox and what was supposed to be Sabonis for the Kings. And the fact that this series went seven with how bad Sabonis played, that being in large part to how you know Draymond and Looney defended him, was a miracle. And it speaks to how great Fox and Malik Monk, who was really the second star coming off the bench, was. And listen. At the end of the day, this series came down to one man. This series wasn't about Harrison Barnes or Keegan Murray or, you know, Sabonis even. And this series wasn't about Draymond or Wiggins or Jordan Poole. But by the way, just as an aside, I saw somebody tweeted Jordan Poole hoop like Steve Kerr spun him around in a circle three times before he go back on the floor. And that's a fact. That dude is reckless. He's got no basketball IQ and is awful defensively. And he's either going to be out of the rotation or drop 30 in a playoff game. There's literally no in between. And, on, and, and I'm not a Draymond fan, obviously, Like, I, but I see why he punched Jordan Poole. Like, he is brutal to watch bas- play basketball. Like, Jordan Poole is a, is, a, is a brutal person to watch play basketball. But, again, this ain't about them. This is about Steph Curry. I picked the Kings in seven games, and I also want to touch on – I also want to touch on game six real quick because that's got to be one of the most impressive wins I've seen from a team. A young team who started up 2-0 versus the defending champs, lose three straight, they go down 3-2. Then you go into one of the toughest buildings in sports and win a game six that they had to win, controlled it wire to wire. Impressive win in game six by the Kings. So I think everybody kind of underestimated the Kings and realized, you know, the Kings are now they're, – they're for real coming, you know, especially in the future. But I picked the, I picked the Kings in seven because I thought their team was better. And I knew Steph Curry was the best player in the series, but I thought the Kings had the better overall team. Honestly, I still think that's the case. 
Steph Curry was just Steph Curry, and he showed why he's a top 10 NBA player and, uh, you know, arguably the greatest point guard ever. And, as, you know, as far as the GOAT debate goes for point guards, I think this is a fun one because these players are so different. Like, obviously, like Nick was talking about, Magic's like the prototype, like pass first point guard, but he was 6'9 and not a great shooter. Curry is a score first point guard, greatest shooter of all time. He's a good pass. He's a, he's a really good passer, but that's not his main strength like it was Magic's. Magic's got five rings, three finals MVPs, three MVPs. Steph's got four rings, one finals MVP, two regular season MVPs. So Magic has the, him on the accomplishments, obviously, as of now. But for me, if you want to start a team and pick one, you don't know what era you're playing in. It's hard for me to not pick Steph Curry. The shooting is insane. The handles are insane. Finishing around the rim is crazy. Obviously, he's a capable passer. We saw him have 12 assists uh, the other day in game two against the Lakers. And and he's just an amazing person, an amazing leader. He's the full package. And But but you could do it either way at this point. Normally, I have a passionate opinion one way or the other. Like, I get it on this one. Both have great arguments. You can go either way. And they're so different that it's hard to – they're so different and in such different eras that I could see, you know, whichever argument you wanted to make. But – Steph Curry, man, like he's, you know, obviously I wanted, I wanted to come in here and scream about lighting the beam and he just, he, he himself lit the beam and, and sent the, sent the Kings home. So uh, again, shout out to the Kings. That series was incredible. Kings performed a lot better than, you know, most people thought they would, but Steph Curry is Steph Curry. What do you, I mean, what, what are you going to do? That's a top 10 player in the history of basketball, just performing like, like exactly what he is. So, uh, but that's going to transition us to the conference semis. And listen, the first one we're going to talk about is the exact opposite of what I thought it would be. And that's the eight-seeded Miami Heat, like we talked about a little bit earlier. The monumental upset of the one-seeded Bucks has put them in the second round to face the five-seeded Knicks, who easily took care of the four-seeded Cavs in a tough physical series. And this series has been some of the same so far. Old school, tough, and physical. Miami took game one in Madison Square Garden, but at great cost as Jimmy Butler Playoff Jimmy hurt his ankle and missed game two. And then in game two, the Knicks pulled it out. Julius Randle returned after missing game one, and the Knicks pulled out game two. So, Nick, what were your what are your takeaways from this series so far? How do you think it plays out? Um, so uh obviously pretty shocked that Miami's still here. It's just one of those games where or one of those series where I just think that the the Knicks just have a little bit more talent and depth and to uh to keep them afloat in the playoffs. The, the the Heat relies so much on Jimmy Butler in his scoring that when you have to rely on Gabe Vincent, Struss, and some of these other role players to score 15, 20 plus points a game, it's going to be tough. And the Knicks defensively are one of the most like grinded out tough teams. I mean, Jalen and then uh, Jalen Brunson has just been turning it up a notch in the in these playoffs. I think he might be just one of the most underrated players in the in the playoffs right now and i honestly think that he's going to he's going to be the uh, the x factor and carry the Knicks over over the uh, over the heat this series so i do think it'll be a tough series uh i think it'll go 6 or 7 but i have i have the Knicks in 6 uh right now um if jimmy butler doesn't play obviously then it, then that, that that could change but i i see the Knicks having a tough series and and I don't see any game being a high-scoring uh, matchup like we've seen in, in the first round. I don't think so either. I don't think either of these two teams are capable of putting up a high-scoring uh, high-scoring matchup. Obviously, the Knicks have you know some more proven scorers. You know, you got Brunson, Randall, and R.J. Barrett, all who can go for twenty-five plus on a given night. But you know, 
Randall's been inconsistent over the playoffs. RJ Barrett is known for being inconsistent. So yeah. And then obviously we, like we talked about with the Miami heat, like Jimmy Butler is basically their only offense at this point. So um, yeah, like it's definitely, none of these games are going to, are, are going to be a, a 125, a 130, 130 to 125 type game. Both these, these are going to be slow grinded outside games, but like I mentioned before, like I slept on both these teams. Like the Knicks absolutely controlled the Cavs. I was shocked on this one. They stifled them with their defense. Mitchell Robinson has been huge. Josh Hart acquisition as well has been one of the best deadline moves for any team. And Julius Randle was awful the whole Cavs series. And it didn't matter because they dominated the whole thing. And listen, I knew the, the playoff heat and playoff Jimmy was real. But I still picked Bucks in five. And listen, the the the... Heat were extremely shocking. Spolstra has an argument as the best coach in basketball. He is he's an amazing basketball coach. Bam has showed up on both ends of the floor lately. And Kevin Love has turned into a valuable piece for them as well. I didn't even think he would make the playoff rotation when he when he was bought out and signed with Miami, but he's showing off his playoff experience as well. So I have I have a lot of respect for both of these teams. These teams can each win on each other's home floors. I think as far as the entire series goes, this whole thing is going to be tough. It's going to be 90s, old school 90s basketball the entire time. It's going to be reminiscent of Alonzo Mourning and Patrick Ewing battles in the 90s. But this time it's going to be, hopefully it's going to be Butler versus Brunson. We saw the first game, it was Butler versus Brunson. We saw Butler get the best of it. And, you know, hopefully he can come back in game three and, and show that he's not, you know, entirely hurt. But if Jimmy's healthy, for me, I'm going to go with the guy in the team who proves it time and time again. I think the Heat are going to win this series in seven games. Like you said, it's going to be a tough series. It's going six or seven, no matter what. But I think playoff Jimmy is just so, so different that he can, we saw him single-handedly carry them basically to a win over the team who was the best team in basketball for the entire season, you know? So I think he certainly can do that with the Knicks. I'm not sleeping on the Knicks because I know how, you know, like you said, how deep and and talented and, and, you know, versatile and defensive minded and Thibodeau's done a great job with them. So not sleeping on the Knicks, and obviously I would love to see the Knicks in the conference finals just to see uh, just see our boy Josh kind of sweating because the Knicks fans are going off and they're in the conference finals and they're going crazy. But I think the Heat are going to get them. I think Jimmy's going to take them, get them over the top of a tough Knicks team, and Miami's going to make their third conference finals in the last four years, which sounds kind of surprising because they've been kind of up and down in regular seasons, but. When it comes postseason time, man, the Miami Heat, it's its every single year with the Miami Heat. But now we're going to go out west. This is a matchup, mo- matchup most of us expected. The one-seeded Nuts, obviously, coming off the gentleman's sweep of the dysfunctional eight-seeded T-Wolves, go up against the star-studded Phoenix Suns, who gentlemen swept the Clippers. But it was a lot closer than we thought. I think the Clippers, would, you know, they were without their two best players most of the series. I think it would have been a really, really close series if Kawhi and Paul George were there. But obviously in this Denver and Phoenix series, Denver jumped out to a 2-0 lead, winning both games in the altitude, while Chris Paul had his seemingly annual playoff injury. Then in game three, Phoenix bounced back and won a close game, thanks to 40-plus from Devin Booker and 39 from Kevin Durant. And I think that's what they're going to need a, a, a need a lot to win this series. So, Nick, wh- what are your takeaways from this series so far? Can, can Phoenix still win this even without Chris Paul for a few games? Phoenix can't, yeah, Phoenix can win it. I mean, they're not completely out of it, but it just makes it that much more tough. I mean, you, this series, I mean, when you, it, it kind of reminds me of when LeBron and Kyrie averaged like 40 plus each in the NBA finals. That, that's what, that's what the Suns are going to have to do with Booker and Durant. And if they don't, mm-hmm. they're going to lose. Um, I think some teams overlook the Nuggets uh, and, you know, I was one of them. So they're, they're playing great basketball. Everybody's healthy uh Jokic still do still still doing Jokic what Jokic does but Jamal mm-hmm. Murray uh, I mean this man has stepped up in the in the playoffs big time and uh 
he's been uh, he, he hasn't been fully healthy the last few years to to see this so it's great to see him back to fully healthy and uh he's one of those game changers and x he's he, i would say he's the x factor for the uh, for the nuggets and if he's playing well it's gonna be hard to beat the nuggets yeah yeah, I, I completely agree with you. I said it before the playoffs. People have been disrespecting the Nuggets all year. I mean, this team is good. They have more depth and just as much defense as the Suns. They had a better defensive rating in the first round, and we saw them, you know, do do a great job with the Suns defensively in games one and two. Um, and they and honestly, they have more three-point shooting than the Suns because the Suns are so obsessed with middies that they don't really take and make a lot of threes. And, you know, the Suns the Suns in the first round impressed me zero in that series. Just like like I like I kind of said in the intro, I think if Kawhi stays healthy, that series goes seven and the Clippers might win. And listen, I don't trust. First of all, I don't trust CB three in the playoffs as far as performance goes. And and to stay healthy again, and and he's hurt. The injury was predictable. The CP three injury was one of the most predictable injuries that I've ever seen. An old injury prone point guard playing thirty nine minutes a game because you have no depth. What did you think was going to happen? Like it's it's it, it, he's obviously already injury prone he's old and then you're playing him all these minutes he's gonna get hurt it's just what happens with cp3 plus he gets hurt in every playoff so it was a predictable injury obviously we don't want to see anybody get hurt but it was very predictable and then second of all he like i like i was talking about he doesn't perform when it's really necessary i don't trust him to do that and i also don't trust devin booker when the going gets tough like you see him when he gets going yesterday like he was on fire yesterday he was 20 to 25 from the field 47 points he's talking He's talking. He's going off. He's like, yeah, I'm, I'm him. I'm him. And then as soon as he starts mission shots, he's, he turns soft. It's it's what he does. He does it every single – it happens every single time. We saw it last year versus the Mavericks. He, the, Luka Doncic said it best. They, they keep talking while they're up. Let's see what happens if it's a close game or if, if they're down. And then they get real, real quiet. And that's exactly what happens with Devin Booker. And I don't trust DeAndre Ayton at all. He's just soft. And we saw – in, in the game yesterday, in game three, DeAndre Ayton's not even playing down the stretch. They're playing Jock Landale, a former Spurs legend, instead of DeAndre Ayton. Like, the, DeAndre Ayton is, is one of the softest big men in the league. He, he cannot be on the floor down the stretch because he disengages and he, he he gives lack of effort. He doesn't get any rebounds. And he's turned into a bust of a first overall pick for DeAndre Ayton. That's for sure. And as far as trust goes, I mean, I trust KD, but sometimes KD disengages, goes, stands in the corner, doesn't shoot for 10 minutes. And also... As far as KD goes, too, I think there's going to be a point where we start criticizing KD for having literally no playoff success outside of Golden State. I think I think there's going to be a point in this, uh, you know, after this series and, and you know, in the offseason where even though he's, you know, had a championship caliber team, every single place that he's went outside of Golden State, he hasn't had success. But I think that's a topic for another day. You know, that's just kind of me uh, throwing something out about KD. But again, there's no depth. You're relying on KD and Booker to play 43 minutes each a night. You're relying on them to score 40 plus points each a night. That's not a sustainable winning model. Jokic dominated down low in round one. He's dominated this, this round as well. He had 30, 17, and 17 yesterday. You are not going to stop Nicole Jokic. And like Nick mentioned, if Jamal Murray can keep playing like Jamal Murray's going to play, like it's it's going to be tough. So, and, and like I mentioned earlier, like if the Suns the Suns have one big in Aiton and they're playing Jack Landale down the stretch. Like that's just a terrible look for DeAndre Aiton. That's a terrible look for the Phoenix Suns. So the, the Nuggets are going to win this series. I said it before, before the series, I thought it was going to be seven. I've got it in five now. I think they're going to win game four and game five and they're going to send Phoenix home because I don't think it's sustainable what KD and Devin Booker can can, can do. And the, the Nuggets have been the better team all year. And I think they're going to continue that, you know, this series. That, you know, KD and Devin Booker could get one more game, I think, maybe make it six, but I think it's going to be five. I think I think the Nuggets are going to take this series in five games, but that's going to transition us 
to the series that I'm most excited about in the second round. This is the series that I was, as soon as it was decided it was going to happen, I was ecstatic because this is exactly what I want. This is exactly what the NBA wanted. Arguably the rivalry of the decade, LeBron versus Curry. We got the Lakers versus the Warriors. The Lakers beat the two seed Grizz in six in round one. And the Warriors beat the three seed Kings in seven in round one. And this series started with the Lakers stealing game one, thanks to Anthony Davis, 30 points, 23 boards, four blocks, and staving off a late Warriors run. Well, game two was all Warriors. Clay hit eight threes. Curry had 20 and 12 assists. And this series is tied 1-1 going back to LA. So, Nick, first of all, what are your takeaways from this series and who do you think is going to win? But we've seen Anthony Davis really, really take over and, and assert himself at, at times for the Lakers. Obviously, sometimes he'll disengage and, you know, look a little bit lackadaisical on offense. But we've seen him really, really, you know, be dominant on the offensive end. So give me your takeaways from the series and who you think is going to win. But also, is this AD's team as far as the Lakers go now? This is Yeah, this is uh, 100% Anthony Davis's team. And what I – what what I think Darvin Ham needs to emphasize to the entire team is we need to get AD going in the first quarter to yep. get him engaged for the entire game. Because as we've seen, if he, if he doesn't do well in the first half, first, uh, first quarter or second quarter, I mean, he just, he, he tends to fade and mm -hmm. the Lakers just can't have that. This, the series is going to be great as long as AD uh, is there. So the the Lakers they're 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 in a, a great position. I would say the only thing that they need to figure out is to figure out how to stop Steph Curry, and no one knows how to do that. So it it it, it is a really tough challenge, but they they need to figure out what to do when he's in a in that high pick and roll because when he's do, when he's when when Curry's doing a pick and roll like five six feet beyond that three point line and he's attacking downhill, they're not only are like multiple guys looking at him like it's 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 like two three four guys have eyes on him and then all of a sudden they're leaving clay or wiggins or even uh jamichael green pool mm -hmm. like these guys are just getting wide open shots and if you're gonna give clay thompson wide open shots that's how he's gonna hit down eight threes in a game yeah so if they can slow down that pick and roll then then the the lakers will have a chance but uh, that honestly with that with curry and that pick and roll it's so so deadly right now that i don't i don't know what what they got to do and uh what i've seen from the like the lakers on offense like so i like jared van or vanderbilt um but when, when it comes to the offensive side it's basically they're playing four versus four v five yeah and uh that dude they need to figure out how to utilize him on offense because it's hurting him so much with uh they're leaving him open for threes. He yep. hesitates. He doesn't. Every now and then, he'll make one. But he's such a liability on the offensive side that and uh, that he he has to make up for it tremendously on the defensive side. But when you're guarding Seth Curry, it's kind of hard to do that. So hard. the uh, the adjustments in the next two three games are gonna are gonna make the uh, make or break the series for each team. So we'll we'll see uh, we'll see how the Lakers come out and they need to come out with a lot more. Uh, lot more energy than they did the last game yeah uh like you talked about with Vanderbilt uh Nick he's kind of getting the PJ Tucker treatment like they're just kind of putting him in the corner and you know it's you've seen it with the Celtics in in the in the um in the Sixers series which we'll talk about next um they just leave PJ Tucker open and say hey if you're gonna make the corner three make the corner three like that's you know if we got to give something up on this team and that's what the that's what teams are doing with the Lakers they're saying hey Jared Vanderbilt if you can make corner threes 
like we're probably going to lose, you know, but we don't think you're going to be able to make consistent corner threes. And, you know, he hasn't been able to, he hasn't been able to do it consistently. Like you said, he'll make one or two every now and then, but he hasn't been consistent with it. So yeah, it's going to be interesting to see what they do as far as rotations go and see how they can, you know, best utilize him. I think he's got to start cutting more off the ball. I think he's got to start, you know, using LeBron and AD to his advantage because there's going to be so much attention on LeBron and AD that he, you know, works off of them, cuts to the rim, gets an easy bucket here and there. So yeah, it's going to be interesting to see what they do. But yeah, like we talked about, I mean, AD is always the key for the Lakers because he, at his best, he is their best player because I don't know how much, listen, I don't know how much, you know, LeBron can do at this point in his career offensively, you know, because first of all, you know, he suffered that foot injury late in the regular season. And I feel like it's still affecting him just a little bit. Um, you know, obviously, you know, he saw the LeBron of feet and, you know, it's apparently he's all better now. But I feel like, you know, for for injury that he's he, he talked about he was feeling a pop and stuff like that. Like that seems like something that would keep him out normally longer and something that he said a bunch of foot doctors told him to get surgery on. So maybe he still ends up having to get surgery on it. Um, but I don't know if if he can Did do you? the typical... What, did, did you did you see him fall at halftime when no one touched yeah, he him? Just like, he just fell out just of nowhere. Down. That was the most old person move I've ever seen in my life. Like just <laughs> just random fall. Like that was crazy. Um, so yeah, I don't know if LeBron can do the typical LeBron and like we've seen in, in years past where he can just single-handedly carry his team to multiple wins every series. So it's gotta be AD. It's gotta be Anthony Davis at his he is a top 10 player in basketball. I said it when I did my top 10 list and everybody hated me for it, but he's a top 10 player in basketball. He's top three at his best because he is that dominant on the defensive end. And then if he's giving you 30 and he's that dominant on the defensive end, he's a top three player in basketball because of how good he can be. You know, his combination of dominant interior offense and defense is incredible. But at his worst, he's like top 100. Like he's, he's so disengaged and can be disinterested, which is incredibly frustrating. So it's his team when he wants it to be. When he really wants it to be, it's his team. But it's, the problem is he doesn't always want it to be his team. The great thing about this Lakers team is that they can win games because of their others now. Obviously, you still have to, you know, LeBron James and Anthony Davis still have to be at least good. But you get Austin Reeves, D'Angelo Russell, and Hachimura in this playoffs have all shown that they can go for 20 to 25 points, as well as Dennis Schroeder. And I don't trust the Warriors. It's kind of the reason why I picked the Kings in the last series. And obviously, Steph Curry overcame it. But I still don't trust the Warriors secondary players, like I mentioned before, with, you know, with Poole. Poole is just, is just, I have no idea what to do with Jordan Poole. And then Wiggins as well. I, I don't trust him either. Wiggins can disengage as well at times and, and become disinterested. I know, you know, Looney and Green are good defensively, but I don't think if, if AD is, is engaged, they can't deal with Anthony Davis. They just can't. Anthony Davis is too good on the offensive end to deal with him. And I think the wing the, the wing defenders for the Lakers can help slow down Steph and Clay a little bit. Steph has, hasn't scored more than 25 points in the first couple of games. So I would consider that a win. Obviously, like Nick was saying, you know, he's bringing so much attention that it helped, you know, Clay get eight threes uh, in game two. But I think they're they're gonna they're gonna have some adjustments here in games three and game four. I think the Lakers take both game three and game four, and they end up winning in six. Um, but it's it, it, listen. I think you know. Plus, if LeBron, like I mentioned before, you know, is is just kind of waiting for that moment where he needs to summon up the LeBron James like greatest player of all time juice that he seemingly has had for his entire career. If he's just waiting for that moment, and then you know when it comes time, he's gonna show it off. Like that's a scary thought. So. Uh, again, I don't know if he can anymore, but we'll see. Either way, I think the Lakers win this series in six. Uh, we're gonna, it's gonna be interesting though. They're going back to LA, and you know, the, the travel's not a factor because they're both California teams. They're just kind of, you know, quick little hour, hour long flight going back and forth. So we don't have to worry about, you know, a, a Memphis to, to Lakers kind of travel situation where it affects the series a little bit. But it's gonna be interesting. This series is gonna be great either way. 
And hopefully it's not the last time we see Curry and LeBron, but maybe it is, you know? So uh, take advantage of it while you guys while you guys can, because we might not get this matchup ever again. So take advantage of it. It's going to be great. It's going to be a great series. So, uh, but with that being said, let's transition to our final series of the day. And that is Knicks, Boston Celtics. Man, it, we, we knew it was coming. It's the battle of the panel. Unfortunately, two of which aren't here. Knicks, two-seeded Boston Celtics, who have been impressive all year on both ends of the floor, going up against our boy Josh's Philadelphia 76ers, who have the MVP in Joel Embiid, who is unfortunately dealing with a knee sprain that cost him game one. And obviously, we don't want to look too far ahead and take for granted, like we mentioned earlier, the, the winner of the Knicks Heat series for granted. But I think whoever wins this series has a great shot to be in the NBA Finals, and that means they have a great chance to win the NBA title. And in Game 1, the Sixers went into the Boston Garden and shocked the Celtics to win Game 1. James Harden had 45 points, and they won it with no Joel Embiid. Game 2, Boston bounced back and smoked the Sixers to send the series back to Philly, tied at 1. And in Game 3, the Celtics outlasted Philly to steal back home court and take a two-games-to-one series lead. And Nick... You are the Celtics fan. You picked the Celtics to go to the finals. You picked the Celtics to win the title. How are you feeling about this series? What are your takeaways? Can the Sixers find a way to win it? Or are the Celtics going to pull away and take this series? Uh, so as a Celtics fan, you know, I'm loving every single minute of this uh, of this series. Yeah, yeah, we dropped game one. But a lot of the times, uh, people overreact to, to, to a game one in, in the NBA playoff series. Uh, that's, the, that's where you make adjustments. And I, I have to tip my cap to uh, to Joe Mazzula because he the adjustments he's made have been tremendous. He's calling timeouts. He's rotating uh, guys way. The the defensive scheme on Harden has been way better. So when you when it takes like a, 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 a like a, a what is it a miraculous Herculean, Herculean mm. effort from Embiid or Harden to beat these Celtics, it's kind of it, it, I kind of feel good as a Celtics fan, knowing that we're we're, we're sitting pretty pretty well. And uh, like Embiid said uh, last night, he said you, we basically have to play almost perfect in order for us to beat beat this team. The Celtics launch a bunch of threes. I think we're the second most attempted threes in the season. If uh, so, we're and then we're uh, top five in the percentage. So not only do we shoot a lot, we make a lot, and it's shown in these last few games. And it doesn't even have to be Tatum uh, making all the making all the shots. I mean, we've seen Tatum score what seven points in the game when he only played like 19 minutes, and it was all the other guys who stepped up and they were just hitting threes. Brogdon, Brown, Derek White, Smart. Right. Then we got Al Horford, you know, hitting threes as well. Uh, the Celtics are a real real tough team. I mean, we have the defensive guys to switch onto anybody and everybody. And offensively, we're one of the hardest to uh, to to go up against because we match up the, just the guys that we have. And if we keep attacking, and you know, no one gets no one gets injured. If we stay healthy, we're right now we're the we're the best team in the NBA. So the, what what I see from the 76ers is they need they need to play with a lot more playoff intensity because when I was watching Game Three, it didn't feel to be honest, it didn't feel like a playoff game to me. It seemed like a regular season game. There was not much intensity from the Sixers. Yeah, every time, like they 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 got down by ten pretty quick, and then every single time they cut they cut the deficit. The Celtics are Celtics going a six six zero eight zero ten zero run to push the lead right back up. Um, 
And if if we're getting a Harden that is the complete opposite of game one, where he has oh. a wide open layup and he's throwing it to a guy who's not open and he's hesitating on almost every single decision he's making, then the, sh- the series is not even going to go past game. Uh, the series ain't going to go past five. So yeah. Harden has to, like, he has to score over 20 plus per game and has to get at least 10 plus assists per game. And then Embiid has to average around 35 and they'll have a yeah. chance. Um, I just don't, I just don't see it with, with the Sixers, with Embiid not being fully healthy. Yeah. Listen, I thought, listen, I thought this was going to be a great series. Like before, before the playoffs started, I thought everybody knew this was going to be the second round matchup. We were all looking forward to this matchup. I thought it was going to be a great series and I wanted everyone to stay healthy so we could get a series with, you know, that we deserve with no asterisks. But that obviously went to shit when Embiid got hurt. And obviously he played well, so don't get me wrong. He had 30 in game three and he was dominant on the defensive end. Like the Celtics don't want to go into the paint when Embiid's on the floor because Embiid is dominant in the paint. Like he's going to block your shot if you get in there. He's just like Anthony Davis in that regard. Like those two are, the when, when it comes to defensive wise, the two most dominant bigs in the league, in my opinion, just on the defensive end. Like you do not want to go into the paint with those two guys on the floor. But Listen, he's clearly not 100%. I don't know if that's going to be the reason why they lose the series because like, you know, like like Nick mentioned, it's a lot of James Harden not being, you know, not being the player he's capable of being when it's time to be the player that he's capable of being. And that's what makes that's what that's the difference between a good player and a great player. A a good player is is is, you know, he can be good at times and, and and he can be great at times, but he's inconsistent. He'll go back and forth. And when his greatness is really needed, he doesn't always show it, right? A great player, when his greatness is needed, he gives it to you almost every single time. It seems like he never fails. That's why all the all-time greats are who they are. We talked about it with Steph Curry. We talked about it with LeBron, Michael Jordan, Kobe, Tim Duncan, whoever you, Shaq, whoever you want to put in that conversation, they're the all-time greats because when their greatness has been needed, they give it to you. And James Harden in the regular season, he's on he's on par with all those guys. Like we see him, I would have voted for him for about three or four MVPs at this point because he carried some of those Rockets teams to one or two seeds in the West when they had no business doing it. But James Harden, when it comes down time to get things done in the playoffs, never does it. He never does it. He does it one game a series like he did in game one this series. And then after that, it's going to be a whole lot of nothing. And listen, I'm going to be uh, 100% transparent here because, you know, in our, our postseason predictions episode, I uh, I obviously had this series going to tough, you know, seven games and the Celtics winning, but I have never rooted for my own pick to be so wrong so much before because I really just don't want to root for the Celtics to be on Joe and Nick's side. And I actually considered flip-flopping to the Sixers just so I didn't have to root for the Celtics. But as soon as I saw Embiid was missing game one, I knew it was over. And then when I saw Harden go off in game one, I knew it was going to be Boston. You know why? Because playoff James Harden, he's a roller coaster. That seems fun at first, and then it goes final destination and kills everyone but his opponent. It's what happens every single time. Listen, he was 17 for 30, 45 points in game one. He followed that up with two for 14, 12 points in game two. Then he was three for 14, 16 points in game three. So for the folks at home doing math, he has scored 17 less points in the last two games combined than he did in game one while shooting five for 28 from the floor. Five for 28 from the floor. You can't trust him. Unless Tyrese Maxey turns into a superstar over the next four games, This the, the Sixers are going to lose this series. It's just what's going to happen. I don't trust James Harden in any of these games going forward. And it's I really don't even trust the Celtics either. Like, I'm not – I think the Celtics are a really good team. 
I don't trust them that much either. I, I, I'm i Jason Tatum will kind of fade in and out. Jalen Brown, I trust it. I actually trust Jalen Brown maybe a little more than Tatum, honestly, because Jalen Brown, when it comes down playoff time, he, he gets it done. But I don't, it's not that I trust the Celtics. It's that I have absolutely zero faith in James Harden in the Philadelphia 76ers. And Nick, you said it in the chat, Embiid is one in 10 in his last 10 games against the Celtics in the playoffs. And I, I'm not counting, I'm, I'm not going to count those first eight because he had trash ass Ben Simmons to deal with uh, in, in those first eight losses. But listen, he, there's there's something about the Celtics that that gets Embiid every time, and it's you know you gotta be gotta be frustrated if you're somebody like me who's a who's a just a basketball fan who wanted a great series, and now we're it doesn't look like it. I'm I'm with Nick. I think at, at the beginning of the series, I think this was gonna be seven, and I think this is five six max at absolute maximum at this point because the Sixers just they they're just not a playoff team they gotta there's gonna be some adjustments that gotta be made for them in the offseason I think they're honestly hoping that James Harden leaves at this point because when it comes down time to do it in the playoffs James Harden doesn't do it that's just what happens and it's unfortunate to see that and you know hopefully hopefully you know they can figure something out next offseason they the 76ers just like they they got two stars and both their stars just tend to foul bait so many times yeah. instead of actually just trying to make the basket. And if they, yep. it, it, there's there was multiple times where I saw Joel Embiid, he could have stopped the run that the Celtics were on and he continues the run that the Celtics are on because he thinks that he's going to get those fouls that he gets in the regular season and come playoff time, they're not getting them and all the, and it leads to fast break points for the Celtics almost uh, like two, three times a, a quarter. Yep. Yeah. It's it, to your point. I mean, you know, obviously it's fun watching Joel Embiid play, but I would, like you said, I would love for him to just shoot the ball and not worry about, you know, swiping his arm up and trying to get the contact and stuff like that. You know? So um, it's, it's part of the reason why I appreciate some of the other scorers in the league, like Steph Curry and, you know, Devin Booker, KD, like they're not out there trying to, you know, just trying to draw a foul. Same thing with Kyrie. Like as for as much shit as we give Kyrie, he's not just trying to draw a foul. Like he's trying to make the shot first. And then if he gets fouled, cool, you know, but like you said, Harden and Embiid are just trying to draw fouls 90% of the time. And it's frustrating to watch because nobody wants to watch you shoot free throws. Like as from an NBA fan's perspective, I don't want to watch you shoot free throws. I want to see you make a tough, you know, I want to see you make a tough shot. Obviously, you know, from a, a basketball perspective, you know, free throws are an easier shot than, you know, whatever step back, you know, you know, you're, you're trying or whatever pay, shot in the paint you're trying, but I want to see you shoot the ball. I don't want to see you shoot the ball from the free throw line. We want to see you play. Like, stop trying to draw fouls. I agree with you on that one, Nick. But that's going to do it for us today. You're on the House Call Sports Brick House segment. Thank you guys so much for watching. Again, we're going to give a shout out to all of our affiliates. The first one I want to give a shout out to is Liquid IV. Go get 25% off when you go to liquidiv.com and use your code at the checkout. That's 25% off anything you order when you use the promo code the underscore house underscore call underscore podcast at liquidiv.com. It is the greatest hydration multiplier on the planet. Watermelon flavor is my personal go-to. I lift weights. I have a couple outdoor jobs here on Maui now. It's super humid. The sun is always out. I'm getting my white ass burned by the sun every single day. So I get three times the electrolytes with liquid IV and the great taste. I got to replenish my electrolytes because it's so hot here. So use the promo code and hit the link in the description to go get some. 
Another one of our affiliates, sportmemorabilia.com, the one-stop shop to get all your authentic sporting merchandise. I got a couple of jerseys from there, some hats, a little pullover type long sleeve. So if you're an NBA fan, if you're a Sixers fan and you're feeling real down about your chances this year, but you want a Joel Embiid jersey, go to sportmemorabilia.com. Lots of awesome stuff there. So hit the link in the description to get all your merchandise at sportmemorabilia.com. We're also sponsored by Fubo TV, the world's only sport-focused live TV streaming service with top leagues and teams, plus popular shows, movies, and news for the the entire household there's no hidden fees go get a free trial browse available plans i have used fubo you get tons of channels i love that you can watch tons of sports you can watch basketball football baseball whatever volleyball whatever you want to watch go to fubo tv hit the link in our description to go check that out and then if you are a bro who is up real early like i am right now it is 6 50 hawaii time it is real early okay and you want some you want a coffee company that's not only going to provide you with everything from your award-winning roast to your necessary equipment, your espresso machines, your grinders, your filters, to your recipes, as well as a coffee to water ratio calculator. Go to Coffee Bros website, whose link is in our description to get everything that you need that is coffee related. So go get Coffee Bros, bro. And be sure to like, comment, and subscribe. We appreciate all your feedback. Tell us what you guys think is gonna happen in all these series. Be sure to follow us on all of our social media platforms as well, at The House Call Sports, Instagram, TikTok, YouTube, Spotify, Twitter. We got merch, go meet the crew, and we got a bunch of blogs up as well on our website. Our website is www.thehousecall.com, and that's going to be it for us. Peace.